0: We're lucky today to have a gentleman with us that's on a mission down in Brazil, and so I'm going to have him come up, and we're going to have him tell us what's going on in his world. So would you welcome Aaron Brakefield, please. Hi. Thanks. Aaron, uh, why don't you just tell us what's going on down there? Okay. That's that's a good question. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm joking with him because last night he asked me a question, and I just said whatever I wanted to say. Um, so I'll do that same thing again today. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you all for uh, for supporting us and the ministry we're doing in Brazil. Um, we we feel it's it's a good ministry. It needs to be done. And um, so I I brought a visual aid for you to see uh, what we what we do there in Brazil. Um, of course, you all know what this is. Um, I don't see any hands shooting up yet. But uh, this is a ping pong paddle. Uh, this is a, a paddle after about uh, six weeks or two months of usage uh, there in Brazil. Uh, what we've done is we've tried to create a ministry that's, uh, that's relevant uh, to, to the street kids uh, in Brazil. Um, there's a lot of kids that just don't have anything to do. They, um, they have just four hours of classes of school. The school doesn't offer them really anything for athletics or band or, or drama or anything. Uh, and they also have broken homes that they go home to. So they, what they end up doing is just kind of wandering the streets, uh, doing nothing good, and end up doing some quite a bit of bad things. So what we've done is we've we've opened this just a small little two-bedroom house, and uh, and we made it a club for the youth there. Uh, we have ping pong table, foosball table uh movies that we watch video games a little snack bar we do some events take them to concerts or or to the beach and things like that uh, and just a, a way that we try and and reach them with with the gospel Derry's going to talk to you today about the gospel reach them with the gospel of of christ crucified and uh, and show them that love in a, in a relevant way in a way that that they can understand and they can grasp for themselves um, and so that 's what we 've been doing and it's it 's tough work you can see from the paddle they 're tough kids uh, <laughs> you should see me if if the paddle looks bad, you should see me sometimes after work but uh um,
0: but we work hard and, and we we believe that that god 's in it so that sounds cool aaron um i 'm sure you 've got some stories what's what's God been up to in some of your outreaches what's what 's happened
1: um what we 've been realizing see we we have to we have to uh, a word we use in missions is contextualize. Everybody lives in a context in your culture, and and uh, the gospel, and, and this kind of goes along with what Darius is going to talk about today. The gospel goes into every culture, uh, and and you have to you have to it's, you don't change the gospel, but it but there's different things that go around with it. Uh, that make it relevant, make it understandable for the people that you work with, and so we've had to kind of learn a little bit as we go. Um, I did some ministry like this in the states, but it's it's completely different in a different culture. Um, so what we're realizing now is is that we really have to put a little bit more structure. Uh, with it there in Brazil than than we would have to here in the States. Uh, So we're realizing that we have to be a little bit more rigid on the rules than we would normally here in the States. And we're we're realizing that educational things, uh, they don't have like we would have here in the States. Uh, So things like English classes, computer classes, uh, things like that. Those are some things that we're trying to implement into that for them to get a little bit of a vision for their future. Um, and to and to also get plugged in a little bit deeper in, than just playing ping pong and things. Uh, so that's what we're working on now. It takes a little bit more money, it takes a little bit more staff personnel to do those things. Um, so it's a little bit of a slow process, but uh, that's that's the direction we're going now is to a little bit more of a structured youth atmosphere.
0: And Aaron, I know we give you some resources uh, each year. Uh, what, what else could we do? What what could we do for you from yeah. this end as a teammate? Good.
1: Um, well. We we always we always need finances uh, and uh, my boss tells me you have to mention uh, we need <laughs> we need about uh, five hundred dollars a month for our personal support and we need about seven hundred dollars a month still uh, that's remaining uh, for for the club support um, we also we really covet your prayers um, that's one thing that, that all of us can do uh, we need to realize that we serve a big God a God that's that's moving throughout the whole world. And, uh, and we need to stay on top of those things that, that God is doing, not just in your, your area, but also around the world. So we, we really appreciate it. If, if you just remember us every once in a while, we have some cards in the back. Maybe if you just grab a little picture of us and, and remember that, you know, oh that I need to pray for that kind of weird guy that came to church. Um, and that would help us out a lot. Also, what, what my goal is for Journey Church is for you to, to call your pastors, uh, any one of them, any time of day, uh, or, or even in the middle of the night and tell them, I want to go to Brazil uh, and, uh, and help out in the ministry there and, uh, and just come down and, and hang out with us. It's a really, really conducive environment for Americans to come down and uh, and work in a ministry. Any talent that you have, uh, if you're... I, I need to talk to the band, see if the band would come down. Uh, the band, a, a band or musical people could come down and, and do a ministry. Uh, even if you're like a skateboarder or or any type of talent that you could come down and and just work with the youth and and do a little set for them or something and share your testimonies Uh, and we can all just just love on kids too so um, please come down and visit us Um, we're close to the beach Um, this guy just comes back from the Bahamas or Bermuda or I don't know which one but uh, and but I mean the, the, it's a nice place to go. Um, you would like it if you like the Bahamas, and and, uh, uh, and we could take you around and show you some things. But uh, but it'd, it'd be a really fun environment for you to to work in a
0: different culture and see what God is doing in different places. Yep. So Aaron, I heard uh, I heard beach, I heard foosball, and I heard ping pong. So that, that sounds like a, a mission to check out. Yeah. So Aaron's gonna be in the lobby afterwards. <laughs> Um, stop and say hi to him. He's got some things to show you, and uh, let's give him a hand as he leaves. Thanks, Thanks. for being on team. All right, I'd like to uh, introduce Derry Long. He's here to give us our message today. Would you welcome him on stage, please?
2: Hey, good morning. Wow, look at you. You know, here like maybe the first weekend of summer, I, I've still got long sleeves, I don't believe it's here, and, uh, but nice weather and you decide to come into a room with no windows and dark. So good job, good job, great to see you today, a lot of stuff going on with graduations and stuff, so uh, welcome. Hey, we're going to traffic a little bit today around what is the gospel, you know, you and I might think we know what the gospel is, especially for some of us. If we've uh, been around church a long time, but you know, if I were to ask you what is Major League Baseball, you might right away think, "Well, it's a game." Well, they thought so in Chicago too this week, when a little league outfit, for 30 years, has been, in order to inspire their kids to play, been giving them medallions with the names, not even the exact signias, just the medallions with the names of Major League Baseball teams, like the Cubs and the White Sox. Until they got a group of lawyers from Major League Baseball show up with cease and desist orders, not to be using the trademarks anymore. And they learned that Major League Baseball wasn't actually about a game, it was about a business. And if we've been in church much, we might think, well, I know what the gospel is. The gospel stands for the words good news, and I know what that is. But if you've been in church very long, it's amazing how stuff kind of gets added to it until it's not actually as clear as we might think it might be. It's kind of like going into a car dealership, and you're going to get a car, and you think a car is about, about getting from point A to point B. But the next thing you know, you're making decisions about leather seats, and global positioning tools and sound systems as if you were at home and whether you want a little TV set in it. Now, none of those things are actually wrong. It's just that when you start adding stuff on, you can sometimes lose track of what the core issue is really about. So we're going to kind of look at that this morning and let's start with some scripture we're going to slip into the New Testament and read a Christmas story, and, uh, and then a little bit from Corinthians and Galatians, and jump in. And there were shepherds in the same country abiding in the field and keeping watch by night over their flock, and an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were very afraid. And the angel said unto them, Be not afraid, for behold... I bring you good tidings, that's where we get the word gospel, good news, good tidings of great joy which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord, and this is the sign unto you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest, And on earth peace among men in whom He is well pleased. And she shall bring forth a son, and you will call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. And they shall call His name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Do not be removed from the simplicity that there is in Christ. And then Paul says in Galatians, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Let's pray for a second, shall we? Lord, we're going to lift up your son today and talk about what he's done for us. And we pray that as we do that, we'll not all, all just cognitively grasp it. But into our personal lives, we'll understand the dimension of impact for good it can have, that it is for every one of us here today good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, here's the big idea. The gospel is the power of God. When we add to it, we not only dilute it, but we add. But what we add has no power. I want to say that again. But what we add has no power. Much of what we think of as the gospel are add-ons. Journey Church is committed to the gospel in its simplicity and power. We put energy into avoiding drift. Now the word gospel means good news. It's not just generic good news. What would be good news for you today? One of my favorite uh, movies is Spitfire Grill. In Spitfire Grill, a young woman named Percy just gets out of prison in Maine. She's trying to find a new start, and so she makes her way to a little village in Maine. She gets a job as a waitress, working for an elderly woman who's running a little run-down cafe. For a while, it seems to be going good, and then word begins to filter out that she's been in prison. Some money goes missing, and people immediately think that she has taken it, especially when they can't find her. And then a young woman and mother who's befriended her remembers the big white church in the center of town where they haven't had services for some years. And she slips into that church just to see if Percy might be there. And we're going to watch what happens.
3: Percy? I thought in some place small like this, there might just be a chance, you know? But after what I done, it don't matter where I go. What have you done, Percy? I killed somebody. in Talbot. Seemed like he was set on having me not a week after he married my mama. I was nine. I guess she was just too afraid of losing him. she just slap me and tell me shut up about it. I was 16 when I got pregnant. And I hated what he done to me, but I found myself loving that life inside me. Feeling it grow, move even. I like calling it Johnny B for that song, you know? Johnny B, good. I figured that'd work for a boy or girl. <laughs> And I swore to God that when that baby came, I was going to protect it from the likes of Mason, no matter what. I figured since I was pregnant, he'd finally leave me alone. The more I stayed away from him, the matter he got. One night, he was drunk. He'd come after me again. I tried to fight him. And he took to me with his fist so bad. Baby, just... I was in the hospital for better than two weeks, and all I could think about was how I hadn't kept my promise. And I knew there was no way God would ever forgive me for that. Oh, I don't know. Mason must've been afraid of the police or something, 'cause he come and took me from the hospital before it was time. And I don't know where we was going, but it seemed like I was in the back of that car for days. We were in some hotel somewhere, he had a bottle. He was into it real good. And he started talking. Started saying how it was right that my baby died, that I weren't never meant to be, and. All he needed was another mouth to feed. And I don't think I said nothing. But I recall seeing the straight razor he had sitting on that chest of drawers in there. And it was still too late. (laughs) <laughs> Turns out that motel was Maine.
2: You know, right now uh, my life's really going well. I'm in good relationship with all three of my children. I have a great relationship with my wife, I'm doing a job I love. Not every chapter of my life has been like that, but this chapter right now is like that. But in a group this size, there have to be some of us who just ache for some good news. In the face of searing words from a doctor about an incurable disease, or some relationship that's gone wrong with a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or a friend where it gnaws at you in the middle of the night and you can't even sleep, or some unpredictable that you know if it turns south, so much of what you worked for will just crumble almost overnight. And when Jesus talks about good news, when, when the New Testament tells us there is good news, it's not just some generic problem. It's good news for you and for me. When he says it's good news, it's because he believes it's good news. And when we read it's good news, it's not just because he tells us But when we read it, we think this, this is good. It's good for me. What is the gospel? Because the Bible tells us that there's power in that gospel. Power to bring good into evil. To change circumstances. To give me a different perspective. A new beginning. Well, let's have a look at that. What was the gospel to the early church? When they started talking to each other about what was going on, and they said there was a gospel, what was it that they meant? Now, let me throw a couple of uh, cumbersome words at you. And I normally avoid this, but I, I want you to catch something. There's a word, a Greek word, called the kerugma. The kerugma was the essential core of the gospel of Christ. Then there's another word. It's called didache. Didache was the teaching and the doctrines of the church. Now please, please get this. I've been in this game for 35 years. For a while I was a superintendent. I traveled all over visiting churches. I want you to capture that sometimes inadvertently churches lose their way. And they get all wrapped up in the DDK in their teachings and doctrines. And the kerugma, the core of the gospel sits on the shelf. And I was just about done with church altogether. When Brian Hopkins talked to me about coming here and the more I investigated, it, the more I saw that this was going to be a church that was going to focus on the gospel. Because that's where the power is. Now one of the neat things about this little uh, thing we're doing this morning is we kind of talked this through in a small group I'm in. And uh, we ran through a bunch of questions. Uh, I was talking about how important do you think the gospel is? Uh, Glenn Woods said, "Well, you're down the tube without it. So we're down the tube if we don't capture what it is the Lord's saying to us about the gospel. Now, let me just let me just read to you what the gospel was when the New Testament Church was talking about the gospel. This is it, and it's going to be up on the screen. I'm just going to read it, and it's and in some ways it's going to seem too simple, but here it is." This is the gospel to the early church. That Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He's the Messiah, the one spoken of in the Old Testament, the one we've been waiting for. He was sent by his Father into our world in an act of love and as a frontal attack on a cancer that was destroying us. He walked on our earth, experiencing life in every way like us, a Savior who has walked in our shoes, doing good as he went. And on this earth he was betrayed and offered himself up and was hanged on a cross, dying for us, for our release, for a new beginning for us, a new order. And as the world stood hopeless in death, an angel rolled back the stone from the tomb, and he rose from the dead, and after showing himself to hundreds and commissioning his disciples to take this message to the ends of the earth, he returned to heaven. And there, at the right hand of the Father... He is our ally, our advocate, interceding with the Father on our behalf. And at a time set by the Father, Christ at the sound of a trumpet will return to earth. He'll restore His creation, and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. We will reign with Him forever, and this is the gospel. It is the hope, the only hope the only reasonable hope of the world. And to this hope, He invites us to be partners and players by a choice to join Him for our own redemption and the redemption of the world. And that's the gospel. And everything else are add-ons. And there's no power in the add-ons. During a time when I was uh, superintendent visiting a lot of churches, I got to do what you're doing right now. I, for years, I was always up here. I got to just go to a church and sit. And so I was going to Faith E. in Billings, Montana. And the pastor there then and still is is Steve Strutz. So he's a good pastor. He's a strong leader. Has built a, The Lord's worked with him in building a great church. And he's a solid preacher. But one day I went up to Steve and I said, I want you to know something about what it's like to sit out there. No matter how good the services are, there are a couple times a year when something almost surreal happens. says, you bring a cattle tank up on the main stage, and then you drape some cloth around it so it doesn't look like a cattle tank, and then you fill it with water. And you have a baptismal service, and a lot of people, some who've never spoken in public in front of a large crowd in their life, stand up. A lot of them write it down because they're so nervous, and you can see the page move as they try to read it. And they read their testimony of how they met Christ. And I said, Steve, no matter how good the rest of the services of the year are, I want you to know that out there where I'm sitting, when that's going on, it is electric. There's no feeling like it. There's no energy or power anywhere else during the year like those couple of baptismal services where we all get to sit and listen to the impact upon someone who has met Jesus Christ and experience the truth of the gospel in their own life. A businessman once said, there's really only two questions for a business. Number one, what business are you in? And number two, how's business? I think that's true for a life, it's true for a family, it's true for a church. What business are we in? And how's business? Now what makes it good news? Why is it good for you and I? I, uh, We were visiting our small group and we said some people don't think of the gospel as good news. If you mention the gospel of Jesus Christ, they would think of, here's some words, restrictive, rules, hypocrisy, exclusive, intolerant, confusing, doesn't work, punitive. Wow. That'll singe your eyebrows. But come to Jesus, look what it's going to do for us. Ah, he tells us in the Christmas story why it's good. He says it's good because God is with us. One of the the products of sin is alienation. We become disconnected from God, from ourselves and from others. And God restores us from that alienation. Number two, because he'll save us. One of the products is powerlessness. And God interjects His power into our powerless life. Number three, great joy. The Bible says the whole creation groans. I'm trying to think of a word for the opposite of great joy. I think it's oppression. Waking up, not believing that the next day is going to be any better than the day before a room with closed doors and pulled shades. My cousin Mary died at about 60-some years old, but her daughter died in her early 30s. And for whatever medical things there were wrong with Mary, she mostly died of a broken heart. She never recovered from the death of her daughter. Two or three years later, you could walk into a room, mention her daughter's name, and she just burst out in tears. She lived with the constant oppression that nothing would ever change what had gone on. Number four, peace among men. One of the products of sin is fragmentation. One of the results in your life and mine of the gospel is the beginning of putting pieces back together again. And number five, to all people. Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. And then the work of redemption began. So that as Jesus walked down the street and saw Zacchaeus, the tax collector... Excluded from almost any social gathering. Treated as a betrayer of his own country. He says to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. But inside we have these little voices that say to us, because you have done this, you are disqualified. Nobody with your kind of history, with this in your background, is ever going to X. And Jesus obliterates this Fear of disqualification through what he did on the cross and the resurrection. All right, now let's let's go to my favorite one, okay? Now, here are some of the ways we taint the gospel. We add stuff on. In the church culture, we add on judging and controlling. Now listen, judging is not mostly about what's right and wrong. Judging is about who's going to control what. And honestly, churches can get to be the most controlling outfits. I know that's a surprise to most of you, but. They don't treat people with respect. When Jesus talked to the rich young ruler and told the rich young ruler what he needed to do to be saved, he didn't harangue him when the rich young ruler made a choice not to do it. He respected his choice. We don't see Jesus grabbing onto his leg as the rich young ruler went away, saying, oh, let me put it a different way. No, you can't do this. No, you've got to do what's right. Jesus just said, well, here's your choice. The rich young ruler said, well, I I don't want to do that. And Jesus said, all right, it's your choice. I respect it. Number two, performance and penalty. We start watching each other. I don't know. Seem a little distant lately. In fact, I don't know if I've seen him in church for three weeks. And I've been watching. (laughs) Really? Let's give it up. Jesus is talking to Peter one day. He's talking to Peter about how Peter is going to die. Well, it wasn't a pleasant picture. Peter looks over to John and he says to Jesus, Well, how about him? (laughs) With friends like that, who needs? How about him? And Jesus says, What is that to you? All right, but here's, here's the one I like social rules. And priority confusion. Now, no group of people functions without social rules. Your family has social rules. Any organization has social rules. They can be written, but most of the time they're not. Social rules are not evil or bad in their nature. They're how we navigate in a group. Nobody wants to step into something and be embarrassed or not know how to behave. And so we develop among ourselves social rules. We navigate between one another. It kind of defines how you enter, how you behave, how you interact. There's social rules. Every family has them. My family has them. We were over at my parents up in North Dakota over Memorial Day weekend. We had some of the relatives in. The longs have social rules. One is, if you go to someone's house, you get fed. (laughs) I've never been in a long house where they put a cookie in front of you. (laughs) Immediately, if you stop in, they'll start saying something like, Oh my, so great to see you here. Sit down. You know, I don't have much in the house, but uh, let's have a bite to eat. And then they might put out some cookies, followed by a cake. And and then a ham. (laughs) And it just keeps coming. They disappear into the basement, to the pantry. You're trying to talk, and they're gone. They come up with their arms full of stuff, and then there's some baked beans. And before long, the table's full. If you go to a Long's house and you don't get food, you might as well leave because they don't want you there. (laughs) It's a social rule. They drink their coffee black. As far as I know, I know of no long except me, who puts cream in their coffee. I'm beginning to wonder if I'm adopted. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Just. <laughs> they like to visit. I'm, I'm a very poor visitor. Some guy came up to me a while back who I had met a while before and started chatting and I couldn't think of a thing to say finally I just I, I finally I just said well I got nothing <laughs> I just I don't know how, if I had a dollar for every time my mom says oh we saw so and so in town we had such a good visit yeah, those are social rules now an organization has social rules Preachers can say, no, we care for the gospel of Christ. It doesn't matter what color the carpet is on the floor or what color the curtains are. And I think, how naive. Social rules matter to people because that's how we make a meaning of a setting. And so, like in a church, one of Journey's social rules is we like casual. It's a social rule. There's a lot of churches in the valley. They have different sets of social rules. One of ours is we like casual. So you come in dressed in jeans. Some of you wear hats. Most of you are late. (laughs) 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 now I'll tell you how what this means to the gospel social rules are just fine it's who we are it's how we function until someone says or does this they give a social rule a meaning it doesn't have for example I grew up in a small denomination that that was big on submission now any kind of psychological tests I take I'm off the chart on analytic which means I like to ask the question why? well if you grow up in an organization that's big on submission and you start asking why why means rebellious spirit Now we've added a meaning to it. Now we go to a next level. We not only add a meaning to it, but someone says, and this is the way it should be. This social rule, this it's the way it should be. Instead of, it's, it's a preference that serves a purpose. We say, this is the way it should be when you're this casual, you're not reverent. And it's just a step across the street from giving a meaning to saying this is the way it should be to deifying that social rule and now it's part of the gospel. Now when when, Peter, or when Paul wrote Galatians and he said, you're accepting another gospel, here's what was happening. He'd gone into Galatia. Gentiles under Roman rule had accepted Christ. And now other teachers had come in and said, that's all right, that's great. But in order to be a follower of Christ, you also have to follow Jewish rules like circumcision, following certain feast days, and eating certain foods. We're going to add those on. And now that's the new gospel. You see the trick? Because there's nothing really intrinsically wrong with social rules as long as nobody starts to make them the gospel. And when somebody starts to make them the gospel, the gospel starts to get heavy. And instead of Jesus saying, "My yoke is easy and my burdens are light," now the gospel starts to weigh, and we start to drag it along. So let me finish with a little parable. Uh, there was a guy named Tom and a woman named Rachel. Tom lived in uh, Tom lived up in uh, Kalispell, Montana, and uh, he worked at the aluminum mill there. He was a follower of Christ. He's in his late 30s. He's unhappily single. In fact, he's getting more and more disturbed with his life about being single, and he's not really that happy. He comes to work. He's a little disgruntled. One day, while he's at work doing his job, he's thinking about the the direction of his life and wondering if he's really trafficking in the way direction he should and He remembers Rachel. Now, he met Rachel at a Campus Crusade training event in Colorado a couple years ago. She was a school teacher from St. Louis and about the same age as Tom. They got along great. They met about the second day of the training event over a a meal and uh, spent quite a bit of time together during the during the training event in this mountain setting and had some lovely visits and decided they were going to stay in touch and so there were when the, once they got back home a few phone calls even a few letters but you know how it is you get busy and you're that separated and well really they hadn't heard from each other in about a year, year and a half but as he was thinking about his discontent he realized that the one thing that had really brought him joy in the last couple of years was his time with Rachel and he thought I wonder if I wonder if I should call Rachel, but my goodness, it's been almost two years now and and after all, she could be married, other stuff could be maybe my her his number might even be maybe she moved, but he was discontent enough. he decided that night he was going to call, and so he dug out that old phone number and he made the phone call. he wasn't even sure what he's going to say. Rachel answered, and he was surprised to even get her on that old number and Took off, stumbled around. Yeah, uh, this is Tom. I don't know if you remember me. I'm up uh, by uh Oh yes, Tom, I remember you. She said. Well, that was, you know, one good point. And uh, so after him hawing around a little bit, he says, you know, I was planning to take a little time off on vacation, and and I've never seen St. Louis, and thought maybe I might go to St. Louis, and wondered if you had any time. You might not have any time. I don't know. Maybe you're married or. Yeah. <laughs> At any time, you could show me around. She said, oh, Tom, it'd be great to see you. Tell me when you are come. I think think we can make that work. Oh, he was in heaven. He hung up. He immediately made a plane reservation. He went to work the next day, got time off from work. And uh, the time came. He flew to St. Louis, and it couldn't have been better. She met him at the airport. They had long walks, wonderful meals. In fact, it was so good that at the end of the time, the last evening as they're visiting over a meal he said you know Rachel I I so enjoy your company I don't know do you think maybe would there be any chance would you consider the possibility uh, even if I go back to Montana that uh, there might be a chance if we really made an effort and I tried to stay in touch that uh, maybe this could move to another level and she smiles oh Tom I, I would like that well That's all he needed. It was tiptoeing through the tulips when he got back to Kalispell, Montana. He went to work the next Monday. Well, it was in the next two or three days that his co-workers could see the difference. He was lighthearted and joyful and seemed hopeful and pleasant. And Well, Tom, how's it going? You're back from vacation. Yeah, where'd you go? St. Louis. How was it? Oh, I had a great time. Oh, that sounds great. In fact... The difference between how happy Tom seemed and how mundane some of his co-workers' life seemed became stark. And one day in the break room when Tom wasn't there, some of the co-workers started talking about how happy Tom seemed. Finally, one of them admitted that his life wasn't going that well. Things weren't that good at home. Another admitted some problems he was having. They finally agreed they wished they had what Tom had. And in a pause in the conversation, one of the workers said, I know, let's go to St. Louis. (laughs) And so they did. They got time off, it was four of them. They got plane tickets, hotel reservations, tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals game. They thought, this is going to be great. But it couldn't have been worse. Their plane was not on time. They missed the connection. The hotel had lost their reservations. The game got rained out. Now it was worse because hope was gone. And when they got back to Kalispell, they were all discouraged. A few days passed. And finally, one of the men happened to be in the break room with Tom when nobody else was there. And he says, you know, Tom, I don't understand it. He says, you went to St. Louis and you came back a change person. We went to St. Louis We came back no better than we had left. Tom began to laugh. Oh, he says, I didn't know that's what you guys were doing. I wish you would have told me. It wasn't St. Louis. It was Rachel. And many a person hearing about Christianity decided to take the trip to St. Louis And yet never meet the Christ of the gospel. The one who really gives life. And a new start. And is the bearer of good news. So. I think that's it for today. Why don't you put your things aside for a moment. And let's just bow our heads together. Thanks for being so attentive today. I know there's a lot going on in your lives in these days and I thank you for your kindness this morning. Could we just bow our heads for a few moments? And could I ask you, is today the day when you need to meet afresh the Christ who can bring you good news if you're anything like me you try to generate good news in your own strength and you know sometimes in his kindness it even works or seems to But maybe today as we wait before the Lord there's some of us who just want to say Lord I need good news today And I want to start with the one who is the author of good news. I want to start with the one who's the author of the good news, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pray a prayer just in a moment. Pause as I go, and you might want to pray it with me. And in praying that prayer, if it comes from your heart, you'll be inviting Christ Come into your life and to bring with him the good news that you need today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the good news that he brings. I need good news today. And I want to start with the author of good news. So, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Give me a new start. Thank you for hearing my prayer. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, the Lord says he's come into your heart and he's already now beginning that new work in you. As we wait just a moment with our heads bowed, if you're praying and it's coming from your heart, would you just lift your hand up and put it down and just say, Lord, I I prayed that prayer today and I've invited you. No one's looking around, but just make eye contact with me. Yes, over here on the left, up here in the front, way over here on the right, up here in the front near the right. Over on the left, yes. Way to go, way to go. Anybody else? Yep, of straight back. Father, for these who slip slipped their hands up and way over here on the left as well, for these who've slipped their hands up, I pray you'll rush grace to them. Lord, generate in their life good news that we can't generate in our own strength or energy. Show them that there's reconciliation and redemption and renewal in areas of their life. They need to see that. Give them hope. Lord, all of us say thank you for bringing us good news. Amen. Hey, good job. It's great to see you today. Ushers are going to come and receive your gifts to the Lord and offering today. If you're a guest here this this morning, we just invite you to let that pass by. This is for those of us who call Journey our home, and uh, as the ushers come, uh, we're going to do some singing and worship as we close. And uh, thanks again for, uh, for being here.